You're listening to the Talking Forest Podcast with your host, Kendra Burns. In today's world, it's important to communicate your story online, and Kendra can help you by diving into social media and providing you with free tips and insights on how to build your organic social media following and shine online. Having been raised low-income, first in her family to go to college, and a proud international military spouse, Kendra develops creative media content across many social media platforms from anywhere in the world. Her inspiration comes from the people who give her hope and believe in her so she can believe in you. Follow the Talking Forest podcast today to see how she lives the dream of a traveling virtual entrepreneur and get your tech tips as we keep up with the latest on social media. Hi, and welcome to the Talking Forest podcast. This is Kendra Burns, your host, and this is episode number 29. I'm really excited to bring a great friend on. His name is Charles Gale, and he's an expert in the wood products industry. Hey, Charles. Hello, Kendra. How are you? Hi. Great to have you on the call today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm going to read his bio. Charles is currently a consultant in forest research and wood product industry. His business is called Doug for Consulting. He works with companies such as Smartland, Forest Business Network, Bureau of Business and Economic Research, and several other research entities. Recently, he was a manufacturing analyst and sales and ops planner with Stimson Lumber Company. Prior to that, Charles was with the Bureau of Business and Economic Research, having published several GTRs in various journal publications. He has extensive experience conducting economic wood product industry analysis, forestry, logging utilization studies, and research for improving efficiencies in manufacturing operations. He has also worked in MAEDC in Montana, conducting conducting foundational and background analysis for Montana's wood product revolving loan fund, now called the WPRLF. Charles has a resource conservation major and climate change minor from the University of Montana Forestry School. Charles has a beautiful wife named Leah, and they have a little baby boy named Clifford. Uh, Edie Dooley created the Free to Grow Coalition, and Charles co-founded it with her. He is the Northwest Regional Board Member of Forest Products Society Northwest, and he's been in the society for six years, and he's also been a member of the Society of American Foresters for 11 years. So I'm really excited to get you on today and learn more about what you do. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Kendra. I appreciate the introduction. Um, I'm a young guy, but uh, I've still got a lot lot to learn. Yeah, definitely. So let's start from the humble beginnings. Uh, what was your first job, and do you have any good memories of it? Oh, that's a good question. Well, yeah, uh, one of my first jobs, my, my old man actually uh, worked at the local uh, plywood and lumber mill um, in Bonner uh, outside of Missoula. Um, used to be one of the biggest manufacturing facilities in Montana. And, you know, he would always put me to work and cleaning up his shop. Um, but after that, you know, once I got into to high school and to college, I, uh, I started to get into uh, working in the woods. So I ran a um, trail crew for the Sealy Lake um, Ranger District for <clears throat> four years working in the lower left-hand corner of the Bob Marshall Wilderness. And so I did that seasonally through, throughout my time in college. And that really got me interested in, in, in working in the woods and being a steward of the land. And, and um, so I do that in the summers. And, and then I got hired on as, a, as an intern um, at Missoula MADC and um, basically helped uh, put together the foundation for the Wood Product Revolving Loan Fund, which we helped establish about $12.3 million during the Great Recession uh, to help mills in Montana um, restructure and, and kind of weather the storm of the financial recession. So that, you know, all the way up until my 20s, I, I, I kind of worked on the ground, got my boots wet, and then, you know, had some time and through this internship um, uh, working, you know, in the office on on more macro level projects that affect um, people and, and, and companies that work 
as, as manufacturing of wood products in Montana. So that's kind of how I got started. Wow, that's a really amazing experience. And at such a young age, having your boots wet, I mean, that's really good that you've already gotten into helping companies through your own business. So I'm excited to hear more about that. What is your role right now? Well, right now I'm uh, currently a consultant. So I started Doug for Consulting, um, which I'd like to grow in, into the long term. But I started it about a year and a half ago after I left Stimson. And I wanted to get into the uh, mass timber um, world and, and get, get to understand what this new product called CLT is all about. Um, so I started my company, and, and currently uh, I went to Smartland, um, who is located up in uh, Columbia Falls. They're one of the first uh, CLT manufacturing facilities in the U.S., um, and they started out making industrial matting. But um, I went back uh, to them and, uh, about a year and a half ago and said, look, um, what type of business uh, integrations and help do you need? And so I got started working on a project to help implement um, CRM and then um, got hired on a, after that went well to uh, work on their inventory and their production management similar to an ERP system. And since then, I've been doing a lot of uh, work uh, hands-on, um, helping with business support and also on their business operations and um, just kind of really helping that, that, that business move along and, and grow. Um, and through that, I've, I've also contracted with several other companies and picked up a few odd jobs as, as well. Um, so it's been quite exciting, but, uh, it, you know, the, the leap of getting into starting your own business is quite a, a risk, but uh, right. it was worth the it was worth it, and you know, you always got to bet on yourself. It was a, it was a great, great move, and it has provided me with a with a, a, a lot of time to spend with my newly born son, Clifford. Um, as I work from home, I work out of my office. I have a you know several screens um, that I you know can manage my business um, out of the, the the luxury of my own house. So it's really, really nice. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But there are, you know, some things that we go through and challenges when we're starting up and doing some new things. And um, I definitely had to measure my weaknesses to be able to get to know what I was not going or doing well, you know, so that way I would be able to, if I were to be challenged on a weakness or a point that I am weak at, that I would be able to be resilient. So are there times in your business where you've definitely seen some things that you could be better at and then work to improve? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember when we chatted about this, when I think both you and I started our businesses around the same time, right? Yeah. Uh, it was at the uh, North American Forest Partnership uh, kickoff meeting in Portland almost a year and a half ago, and uh, that October, I think, or September. And, and um, you know, you and I met, and we just had this, you know, energy and excitement, and and I think I've tried to keep that that energy and excitement um, at the forefront of my you know daily duties um, because without it you could you could really lose your sense of drive and urgency. Um, however, I, I'm constantly improving, and I'm constantly working on uh, the systems in my business that make me more efficient. So. For example, you know, installing QuickBooks and managing my invoices. And then um, just recently, I, you know, updated uh, my hourly logging system. And, and um, you know, I'm basically I use a lot of software and cloud-based tools to help manage, you know, whatever I'm using, doing more efficiently. So I use Airtable, Lucidchart, Adobe Spark. Um, you know, right. I use a lot of us. Uh, Zoho Creator um, is kind of a relational database tool that I use. And I think being a small business owner and being, you know, kind of a one-person shop, you have to constantly keep approving or else you can get dragged down by some of the process, procedural business things that, that, that we all have to do. Um, right. I, you know, I just did my taxes and I was able to get them all and submitted and get it all taken care of, but I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have some of these 
business processes set up at the beginning. So I think the more you plan, the better you can prepare, and you've got to always keep evolving. I think that's great advice, and I also use uh, programs that you're speaking of, and I started out using a lot of Microsoft products, Microsoft Excel, and uh, have been tracking my invoices that way. And doing taxes is uh, getting a bit harder for me since I moved to Germany. However, I'm willing to go uh, the extra mile and wear the hat of the investigator and figure out the need behind whatever needs to get done. And, And you're right, you constantly have to have that drive and keep that motivation. Yeah, I, and it, I think it's quite exciting too, but it, it also could be very daunting um, as as if you end up picking up work that may not be, you know, more valuable or less valuable to your business or might take more time than you expected. It could affect other parts of, of work that you need to get done. So time management is, is probably one of the biggest deals and, and, and making sure that you select your 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 direction and project and and find projects that basically roll up to your bigger goal that you want your business to become um that's yeah. how i'm structuring the work that i do and the company that i work with um it all is part of the bigger picture for me to and at the end of the day hire somebody on grow my research and consulting business help the industry become more efficient and and sustainable. Yeah, it's great. And so thinking about the bigger picture, uh, what do you think has been your comp- your biggest accomplishment so far? What are you most proud of in this time? Well, recently we, I, I'm actually in the, in the process of going to press um, and have worked with some of the best in the industry here in North America, um, working with Craig Rollins, the Forest Business Network, and then we're working with the Beck Group, um, Roy Anderson, Brian Beck, Zach Rollins, and as well as TreeSource, um, Dave Atkins. Um, our team has, has come together and, and we are going to be publishing and releasing the state of the art, um, or state of the industry, I should say, in 2019, uh, the, the North American mass timber sector. So we've put together almost 120 plus page report that will be available on Amazon and it is a sharp looking uh, report with some of the most detailed uh, aspects of the the mass timber supply chain from the forests to the the lumber manufacturing to the lumber supply, uh, the lumber demand that's used in CLT, some of the CLT capacity as well as um, the building growth and and I think what this might be one of my funnest projects that I've worked on with the team um, because it's such a good good team. Um, but it's it's um, probably one of the most humbling because nobody's done anything like this in North America yet. And so to be on the ground floor and to produce produce a, a report to this caliber with companies like the Beck Group and working with Brian and Roy and Zach. Um, it, and then with, you know, working with Craig is, is probably one of my biggest accomplishments. Um, it came very easily, um, but they're all big. Yeah. And and, 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 and and I'd have to say, you know, look, this report's just a, you know, a small, small addition to the growing uh, interest in mass timber in North America. So um, it's nice to be at the ground floor of that. Um, however, you know, the work I'm working on with SmartLAM is definitely uh, at the forefront of, of, of technology, using technology for the benefit of their business and, um, you know, helping SmartLAM become one of the, the U.S. Uh, prime um, CLT manufacturers for architectural buildings is great. Um, they have really increased their, their, vision, their presence in the marketplace over this last year. And it's been really fun to, to work with them and learn the building side of the wood product industry. So yeah. that, that's a big accomplishment, too, for, for myself and for them. Right. In those kind of connections, uh, people might be wondering, how do I get to work with these influential people and companies? 
And I think one of the biggest factors that sets you and I apart is that we're willing to go network and go above and beyond to meet these guys. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you you're really good at it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Take it a few notes in your book. Um, it's, it's yeah, you got to reach out. You got to it, it's a small network of professionals in this industry. Um, you know, whether you're a forester or a wood products guy, you know, you're all family. Um, and I think the more people, you know, reach out and, and build their own personal network, the better off they will be in their careers and, and in their, um, you know, personal life. I've met some really good friends like, you know, yourself. Um, Edie Dooley is amazing. Alex Goretz, who is also the co-founder of, of the Free to Grow Coalition. Um, and then the, the, the board work that I've been putting on as a volunteer for the Forest Product Society has been huge. Right. We have 180 members in, in the region, in the Northwest, and they come from all various aspects of the wood product industry, from, you know, the, the science. We have a ton of uh, members from OSU and UW and WSU, University of Idaho, and then we have some industry members from Weyerhaeuser, Boise Cascade, Willamette Valley Company, you know, Roseboro, Roseburg, um, Hampton, you know. So um, that network in the Forest Product Society has been huge. To the, I haven't gotten any contracts or business uh, from Forest Product Society or any contacts there, but I've, I've been able to network with them and establish, you know, what's going on and, and be a presence so that they know if something were to come up, they may, they may be able to reach out to Doug for consulting for some help. Right. I absolutely believe in that and have done the same myself. Um, it's been very important. So then that brings me to my next question. What's your favorite social media platform and how do you use social media? Uh, well, you you were the main driver of getting me to use social media. Uh, I would have to say, you know, when we started the Forest Product Society Northwest account almost a year ago, I was pretty new to uh, Instagram and, and Twitter, and I had a Facebook account, but I never really used it. I just used it kind of as like a photo log, um, you know, and to keep in touch with family members across the country. Um but uh, ever since we started the FPS Northwest account, I've been really, uh, I started my own handle, uh, Doug for Consulting, and then I started Twitter. And um, I'd have to say both Instagram and Twitter I've found to be just extremely useful in getting the message that I find important or little tidbits that I like to learn throughout the day um, out to a general public and, and to build a following and to understand what's going on. I mean, I, could you imagine researching the amount of information you can see in real time on Instagram or Twitter on the like Google? Right. It is right. insane. Right. It does. It's insane. So especially at how, you know, how fast paced this mass timber movement is growing. I, I, I follow all of the major mass timber producers. I follow most of the major architects that use mass timber. And I feel in even some of my discussions with Smartlam and others, I can reference some of these, you know, social media accounts to say, look, here's where folks are at in their process. So for me, I'm using social media as a way to uh, reflect on my own personal growth and my own business. But, but, really trying to understand where the industry is going right. and, uh, and use it as a way to to help promote my image, my my business as a, you know, a, a consultant. I really want to give Craig the, uh, either the retweet crown or maybe the LinkedIn post <laughs> mass timber crown. Uh, he did receive the uh, Forest Proud bowling ball artifact for being really good at communicating and I do believe that um, just simply even what he does he just posts he retweets and, and just posts the same post that someone else made about the progress of a mass timber building and he's become known for that well yeah Craig I knew Craig back in 
when I was in in college, and um, we had actually worked on some of the Montana um, Wood Product Revolving Loan Fund together. And wow. um, he has always been a mentor to me and a leader in the wood product industry. Um, you know, specifically focused on small wood utilization um, in the region, and then you know six years ago or five years ago when he, he started the forest um, or the mass timber conference with Woodworks. So it, whatever it is, Craig is always going to be, in my mind, the leader of the, the dialogue behind um, wood products, um, you know, new mass timber buildings, um, any, any hot ticket item that you can think of Craig Craig probably knows it and after working with him on this this report he knows about you know like nobody else in the industry um, and you can see a lot of his work you know through his website the um, Forest Business Network website yeah you know a lot of industry professionals right they that's their that's their morning newspaper yep I use it on Wednesday morning Oh, nice. Yeah, you got a timeline. So, yep. you know, there's a ton of sources out there. There's, you know, and, but he's, he's been one that's consistently followed the, 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 the hot ticket items that will help advance our industry. Yeah. Um, Stephen, you know. whatever he shares, it gives me the chance, because I'm not physically in the Northwest, gives me the chance to see possibly what I could go, go, envision and I think being in Europe is giving me the chance to see buildings that are already built and you know potential for what is our future and I know that our manufacturing in Spokane and Colville uh, including the um, DR Johnson will all be working you know to pump out this amazing CLT mass timber um, it's just exciting to be a part of, and the journey of promoting it, I started in 2015, and it really kind of caught my attention, and I haven't left the uh, mass timber movement since, so I'm really excited to travel Europe, go to any building that anyone wants me to document, and also, um, it's just been interesting to communicate with Forest Business Network and go to my first mass timber conference, which will see you guys in March. So I'm super excited yeah, for look, that. Look forward to seeing you. And so No, I, I think you nailed it. I yeah. think you're you're with your business, you're right on the cusp of where our industry is growing with the social media campaign. Yeah. I think our industry has been extremely poor um, portrayers of <laughs> Of, of, of our message and the funny thing is is now all the science is coming out to benefit our industry so I know you know Maureen Put Putman at, at Corum and, and have maybe chatted with her a bit about the, the, her needs but they have established that the total life cycle of using wood products they are the mad scientists that understand and establish the framework that Wood products is the, the future and is the future of renewable um, materials. And so um, it doesn't take a rocket science to see that, but it is nice to know that the science, you know, ever since I was getting into this uh, in 20, you know, 2006 and seven, is all focused towards sustainability. Right. And it's all focused towards you know, this total circular economy of, of you know, replanting trees uh, or harvesting trees, you know, uh, you know, putting them through uh, wood product manufacturing, building buildings, and then back into replanting. And this whole life cycle process just is, is it has to be documented and explained to the general public because you and I know um, – you know, a lot of people are very passionate and very angry when you say you work in the woods or work for forests or, or work in yeah. forest products. Or, um, it's like and a, so we need to get out of this emotional detachment and understand the practicality. And most of my friends are diehard uh, liberals who want to 
one has to combat climate change at any chance they can get. And so I tell them, you know, let's be a part of the solution. And, and I give them the spiel. Right. Building with wood. But your business is what's going to make those connections. And I'm already starting to see it in the work that you're doing. It's, it's, it's building a bridge between the common public and those that are in the industry. Yeah, that's the goal. And building that bridge has not been easy. And uh, I had a guest that I was talking to earlier who we talked, frankly, about me not making as much money as I could be. I used to work in the nine to five world and I frankly did make more money in that world. However, for me, it's not about that. It's about the passion. It's about promoting building with wood. It's about promoting working in the woods. And so for me, that's more of a motivational factor than the money that it brings. And that will come with time. Um, also I'm, you know, very well supported. I have a great husband who has fully believed in me and he actually comes from Louisiana horse logging. So it's in his, his family as well. Um, there's been a few places that we've gone where he'll point out, oh, there's the, cause in Germany, they still have uh, a lot of horse farms and it's still very central Washington, Eastern Oregon type land. And, um, so we'll be out on a farm or something with our border collie and my husband will start like explaining how the hookups work for the wagon. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you really did know horse logging. Um, but you know, it's, it's sustainable now. We're able to, like you said, the life cycle assessment, create a full cycle. And so I'm at the point where I am tired of the, the voices, all the voices, um, overwhelming voices, um, who are necessarily, you know, just maybe they just, they just don't know how to talk about simple layman terms in forestry. And so with building with wood as well. And I've just been really excited to see stuff, um, research and let people know that they can take their research and turn it into something that anyone would be able to understand via social media. Oh, yeah, exactly. You're in the, you're in the best I mean, the Black Forest, I mean, can you imagine history? I mean, that that area in Europe, like, helped fuel civilizations for thousands of years based off of forests. Yeah. And now, you know, they are the original creators of forestry. And, and you're there living it and documenting it and, you know, seeing the, in real time what's going on. I, I could see you know, some of your business being, you know, even more uh, impactful for how it's viewed in the U.S. in terms of their kind of business strategy and supply chain. I mean, all of the folks there are very integrated with the forest. The other part I'm loving... Oh, go ahead. My parents went to Germany uh, a couple years ago, and they stayed at an Airbnb that was right across from the local town Sambo. And so when they yeah. walked to their Airbnb, they would walk to the sawmill. Yeah. And it wasn't like the sawmill was big, but yeah. it, what, it, what it did was help manage the forest and provide a value um, in, in the wood product back to the community so that they could build buildings with that. I don't see anything more sustainable than that type of, of, of blueprint. Right. Now, in the U.S., obviously, we have more of a, I mean, you know, a commodity-type product and more of these large-scale manufacturing facilities and more of timberland grown as a crop. Um, but Europe has that, too. Yeah. They're just way more sophisticated. They have, you know, hundreds of years uh, of, of going through all of the, the cycle of forestry and communities and the environment. And and I think we'll catch up to, to Europe, um, hopefully quicker than than um, than than they did. But I mean, so, look, just in the seventies and eighties and nineties, we had the best thing that could have ever happened to the forest with the environmental movement. Yeah. And and now we're we're you know young folks that were raised by these you know 
tree. And now I can tell her, look, we can love the tree, but then also make a community out of it and, and make good products for buildings that, you know, can last. So they're using steel or concrete. So I was raised yeah. by a log truck driver who was very cognizant of the environment and did care very much, which is, yeah. very, is very interesting because you don't hear that very often. He would tell me stories of, for instance, being on a landing and like seeing spray and he's like, but I hate it, that kind of thing. And I questioned it when I got to forestry school. I said, hey, why did you hate it so much? And what, you know, what is this all about? And he gave me the, some of the stuff that was even worse in the 60s and 70s that was, you know, used, which isn't used today. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I'm so happy that knowing he knew that he didn't like it either. Yeah, no, I... Yeah, isn't it funny? I, some of the some of the guys I've worked with throughout my you know my career are, are some of the biggest you know stewards of the land. They might be the most conservative person, but they yeah. are um, they care more about the land than people give them credit. And a lot of them make their life. They're you know they have to because they make yeah. their living off the land. Right. And if they were to completely degrade it or or, you know, cut all the timber there and, and not have anything. They, they would put themselves out of business. Um, and a lot of companies, the bad apples, have gone out of business. I think the environmental movement of the 70s and 80s and, and 90s has been extremely um, needed. It needed. Forward. But and so the pendulum has swung way too far. Um into the fact that, at least in the Northwest, it's basically halted a lot of active management on public lands. And so we're starting to see these increased wildfires. Well, yeah, some of it's due to climate change, some of it's due to other other aspects, but a lot of it's due to uh, inactive management on public lands. And that perception of the environmental movement kind of has to kind of come to a, a, a change of heart. Right. And, they need to understand that okay we can do this right we can do this we can do this to protect the the environment the wildlife the streams the the ecosystem services that you know don't have a monetary value but are so important but then we can do this for timber value we can you know harvest uh, and thin and and, so. and replant and make this more of a sustainable ecosystem for the community yeah and i, I would hope so there's I, Maybe I'm living in a fairy tale world. No, you're not. I'm That's living coming. it in Europe. I'm li- yeah, you're living. So, so I'll tell done. I'll tell you guys two things that um, I'll let you know where I am living and and how it is living in the future. I feel like I'm living in the future right now because it's just amazing. So he's talking about the circular sustainability and um, keeping your land and sustainably using your land. And what's really cool out here is they actually have solar panel farms where they have solar panels and then they actually have sheep grazing the grass. And then I can throw a ping pong ball out my window right now and it will hit someone's solar panels because every roof in Germany practically has a solar paneled roof. Also, that's something that they just implemented in our village, which has already been implemented in other villages, is the bio-waste program. They're now collecting our yard scraps and our scraps from the kitchen and producing energy out of them. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I, you know, I, I think, you know, coming from our, our sector of, of, you know, the forest and living in the woods, I think we come to that appreciation that, you know, nature is, you know, very uh, <laughs> valuable to us, and right. a lot of a lot of a lot of the things that we need to do to help combat climate change and help mitigate our, you know, CO two um, exposure and, and, and needs to happen. I mean, it's it's forestry, wood products, um, wood buildings. It's a small piece of the bigger pie of, of fighting climate change. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see. You know, in the Northwest, for sure, there, there's a lot more um, 
folks looking at alternative energy methods. I know that at least in John Day, they're looking at um, doing a $10 million biochar facility. Nice. Which they're going to make, you know, biochar to offset coal um, consumption at the coal plants um, around the Northwest. So uh, they've been talking about this for years. Yeah. But now they're doing it. And so also uh, we put on a future, or Forest Product Society Northwest region put on a Future of Wood workshop last October, which you helped us with the campaign and all that. Um, and with that, um, we had a presenter, Mike Walcott from Washington State University, who is like the leader in all things um, uh, energy and uh, renewable energy related, and more so focused on on wood wood cellulose um, material. But he successfully created a supply chain to make jet fuel out of wood and wood biomass. So right, that's and they've they've flown like eighteen or twenty flights around the country and are currently looking at a massive large scale production facility. So that's big. That's and important. I think, that's I think it's Red Rock um, Red Rock uh, Refinery. I think it's in South Oregon. Um, but they're a, they're going to change the game. So imagine you know flying, which causes a ton of, of emissions into the atmosphere. Um, now we'll be flying with wood waste. To me, yeah, that's so. absolutely innovative and a sustainable alternative, and I'm really excited to see that take off. Yeah, yeah, but it hasn't, I mean, that wasn't something that was developed in Europe. That wasn't, you know, this is this is the technology that, you know, the U.S. and, and, and it seems to me that Americans kind of bring to the table is, is kind of, what can we do with this product, you know, wood, in all of its different factions that will, you know, lead us to a more sustainable economy. And is this what motivates you to get out of bed, or does your son crying motivate you to get out of bed? Oh. No, no, my son, oh, Clifford, oh, man, he's, he's been great. He's, uh, he's going on uh, six and a half months right now. He just slept through the night. And wow. Here he's been sleeping through the night for, for quite some time, but he just, um, he's just growing so fast. But, no, he, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't wake, wake us up that often. Um, but I, I do get up, you know, every day thinking about, you know, as this might seem, uh, you know, generic, but now that I am a father and a young father and have started my career and my own business and, and I'm in this industry, uh, you know, I do wake up every day trying to think, what can I do it today to make this industry more sustainable? for my, you know, my son and for future generations. So seems kind of cavalier, but that's, yep. that's what keeps me up. Absolutely true though. It's true. I, we got, we got a short amount of time to do this and, um, I, I would like to be viewed in, in, you know, 20 years from now as a, um, as a part of the solution, not part of the problem. And um, forestry, wood products, wood buildings, the full sustainability aspect of, of our industry is what I'm trying to, you know, at least convey to folks. And um, with your help, your social media, and, and all the work that you're doing, I'm just ready to ride the ride. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm ready to, you know, take on all the people that are jumping on board and just moving with it. Yeah. Like I your mean, like your free to grow coalition. So yeah, free to grow is a uh, brainchild of um, Edie Dooley, who is a uh, forester for uh, Mason, Bruce, and Gerard, a local consulting forestry company um, here in Portland. And um, Edie had this idea of getting together with like-minded forestry folks that work in around Portland. Um, Portland's an epicenter for wood products, wood um, 
forestry and resource conservation professionals that work for some of the major um, uh, corporations in, in the world, the Campbell Global, um, the Nature Conservancy, um, EcoTrust. I mean, there's just, you know, uh, Greenwood. I mean, there's just a ton of them out there and a lot of uh, private industry as well. So she ended up, um, you know, meeting with a couple foresters for, for several months. And then I met her, uh, you, you know, at a, at a local mass timber meetup. And we just started chatting. Not only did we realize that we went to the same forestry school at the University of Montana um, about a couple years apart, but we both shared the same passion uh, of, of finding a network of like-minded forestry individuals. So um, what we did was we just started to reach out to our network. And from that, that point on, um, Alex uh, Goretz, who's also one of the co-founders, um, jumped on board. And, you know, the three of us got together and just sat down and said, look, what do we want to become and how do we want to do it? And um, we, we, we uh, you know, ended up having once a month meetings um, based around a, a, a nice cold beer. And we would just chat forestry in, in our world. And we would, you know, raise up some issues that were red flags in our daily work environment. You know, the, the increase of this plain hot potato with reeds and timos of, of you know, uh, harvested lands might have a black eye on our, on, on our forestry effects. You know, we were just chatting about a ton of different issues, spraying, um, you know, different management regimes. So uh, we started building, you know, a good, good network. And at the end of last year, we threw a, uh, a kind of a networking social happy hour, um, in conjunction with the uh, annual SAF convention, we had almost 85 to 100 people come up at the Doug Fir and just a ton of students, ton of energy. And so we looked at this and said, dude, we have something. So this year we're really focusing on kind of rebranding ourselves and, and getting a website and getting more established and looking to grow our message. Of, of, a, of a full, full, um, youthful, um, professional network of forestry and, and forest-minded folks. So um, free to grow. It has a great, great, um, catching, catchy name to it, and it's actually a forestry term that is used uh, as when when land is ready to sell, um, and and it kind of. Uh, parallels the young nature that that we're we're starting to drive. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, there, that's so great, and I'm just excited for that young energy and just a, a group of people just kicking back and just enjoying each other's conversations. Yeah, there's no. I mean, there's no. We're not established yet, but and we don't really plan on getting you know legal or anything. But we do want to be a sounding board for those young professionals in Portland or around your community that just need a place to meet up to chat about what's going on. Um, in the age of social media and online, you know, distractions, I still think people really, specifically in our industry, want a one-on-one -on -one interaction and need a place for that. That's yeah. all we're trying to do. Yeah, so. and that provides networking opportunities and in turn um, mentorship and mentee opportunities for people in the group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have folks that are inventory analysis, um, you know, folks that are working on $100 million deals. And then we have folks like Casey Clapp, who's probably one of the smartest um, tree arborists and, and, and um, tree um specialist in Portland. He's a, uh, a urban forester and he works for the city. Um, so we kind of, we, we have a lot of different folks that work at, uh, around the sector and, and, um, you know, it's no, everybody's equal. We, we're all young. We're all excited about it. And we all come with a new, you know, kind of more forward looking thought. Absolutely. So if you were here in Portland, I'd buy you a beer and you could join us. <laughs> Yay, that sounds awesome. If anybody, yeah, if anybody's interested in starting a free-to-grow coalition, 
meetup, reach out to Edie or I, and we would love to love to get you started. Edie has also started one in Salem, and that has about 40, 40 members and professionals down there, too. And I'll add their contact information to the show notes in Anchor and on the website. So that will be really exciting. And I'm just excited that this extra activity, you know, outside of the normal humdrum of work is is really just a cool meetup and kind of gets you thinking about other people outside of what you do in normal, you know, everyday routine. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, tomorrow... Actually, tonight I'm driving down to OSU to um, participate in a Forest Product Society student mock interviews tomorrow. So we're holding our regional meeting. We're going to tour the new PB Hall, which is the you know one of the most state-of-the-art mass timber buildings in the nation, uh, specifically focused on you know education, and it's going to be a great building. But then at the end, we're we're giving tours. Or sorry, we're giving. Um, mock interviews to students um, and the student fuse group down there um, and and so hopefully you know last year we did the same thing with forest product society and almost i think all of the students walked away with summer internships so right you know if students are listening to this and, and they're thinking man where do i fit in in this what what's going on you know what's going on i don't know who to reach out to you know, join a, a student club, join, ask a professor if they have any business contacts, you know, reach out to the Forest Product Society, reach out to Free to Grow, reach out to SAF. And, and if you're a student in this industry, this is just the beginning of a great, great opportunity and career for you. Um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to rise, you know, as an intern at Stimson to, in four and a half years, plan their whole production for, you know, uh, many, 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 many of millions a year type company. So if there's any, any, uh, you know, example or, or I'm a living example of just how this industry has, has provided, you know, me with a great challenge, but also a great opportunity. And like you mentioned earlier, we didn't get into this career for money. No, we would. We got into this for a bigger, a bigger. It really is our passion, and I love finding passionate people to hang out with, and that's exactly what these groups will do. And so I'm glad that you brought that as a really valuable tip to students. Um, it's very important to get out uh, and and actually, you know, shake someone's hand every once in a while and uh, have a beer for sure. If you're too, if you're not 21 yet, then um, get out and and just uh, you know build your confidence up. Um, we need the industry needs a younger generation of talented. You know, I I can't wait to see the group that comes in after us. Um, yeah, because I know. with their skills that they're learning and all of the technology that they have their their fingertips that we didn't have. Yeah. Right. I mean. I didn't have a cell phone until I was a sophomore and junior in high school, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be amazing to see, like, all the drones and forestry, you know, all of the scanning and optimization technology and the sawmills, you know, the the big data world of understanding, you know, full business integrations and, and how to manage a business through data. and. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting to see this next generation of kids. I just I just hope we don't lose them to the big tech world. Right. Also, uh, virtual reality too. Yeah. Yeah. But we can I do mean, virtual reality different. for the woods. We can do we can create the foresters can work with the tech guys, and we can make some awesome virtual reality together. That'd be cool. Oh yeah. Well, that that's huge. You know, I, I think a lot of I think a lot of communities are realizing that look, if I just if I were to maybe go to a trade school or or go to a um, you know, a two year tech program or um, you know, get my my bachelor's in, in business or, or get the foundational forestry, 
in, I'm going to go work for my local company in my backyard because, one, I like to play in the woods and be around my family and, and enjoy hunt, hunting, fishing, hiking, whatever, right? Yeah. Versus, you know, it seemed like uh, the generation before us were always chomping at the bit to get the best job, to be the, you know, in the city. Um, and it seems like this next generation, I could be, you know, completely full of it, but it seems like they've really focused on what's valuable to them and forestry and wood products and the, the community that, that, that it brings is like a perfect job opportunity um, for them in the long run. And they would grow to the, the ranks and they could do whatever they want. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And I just wanted to... Right? Yeah. I just wanted to ask one more question. So the last one is, what's your most valuable thing that you can tell our listeners? And do you have anything else you would like to add? One thing I'd say to focus uh, for students is to really focus on the sciences in your early years and then really look at looking at getting a... Um, a business-focused uh, degree. Um, so if you could major in, in forestry with a minor in business, um, you know, look out to your local local um, businesses in your area and try to find work that way. Uh, but, you know, my, my central nugget is, uh, you know, we're all trying to, to play a piece of, of the sustainability pie, whether it's improving our environment, our economy, um, uh, ecosystem. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we're, we're good. Absolutely. Thank you for being on the call today and can't wait for everyone to hear what we have and our great new future that we have in front of us. I look forward to it. I can't wait. Thank you for having me, Kendra. This, this is great. Yeah, thank you. Oh, all the talking. Sorry. <laughs> you guys have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too.